Hello friends. I'm your host Sujay and I welcome you to the 31st episode of the Meet Stargazers podcast. Our guest today completed a PhD in astrophysics at University College London in 2007. The title of his thesis was Studies of Superstar Clusters in Starburst Galaxies. He was interested in how the extreme energy given off by large numbers of newly formed stars affected the evolution of the galaxy they were forming in. He then worked as a postdoctoral research fellow for 7 years at University College London and at the European Southern Observatory in Munich, Germany. During that time, he continued studying the effects of young energetic stars on their surroundings. In 2013 he decided to leave professional research to focus on teaching yoga and mindfulness. Today he is going to talk to us about mindful stargazing. Without further ado please join me in welcoming Dr. Mark Westmoket. Mark thanks for taking the time to speak to us and I'm excited to talk to you about mindful stargazing. Oh yeah great me too thank thanks for having me. What brought you to astronomy? and when did you get started mm. so um i think when i was growing up you know i was interested and and did all right at the maths and physics sort of side of things and i remember um in the uk we had an eclipse a total solar eclipse in 1999 which was just before i went to university and i was humming and ahhing about whether to go you know and study this or that i was sort of heading towards astronomy i suppose as a decision and then i remember i had a little telescope in my back garden and i observed the eclipse you know and projected the the view of the sun onto a piece of paper and and that really kind of like i suppose um cemented my my excitement about astronomy <clears throat> but actually i've um i've come to realize looking back now um looking back at my 18 year old self that uh you know there were a few things that happened in my childhood and in my teenage years to my family that were very difficult uh like traumatic difficult um emotionally and um you know to the family <clears throat> and i think part of my decision to study astronomy was to escape you know can i can i go to the basically the furthest reaches of the cosmos you know like as far away as i can from everyday life like family life emotions um so i kind of buried my head in space a bit and i think i i got i was very you know the the logical reason a linear way of thinking which was like devoid of emotion and um uh it was maybe detached from the reality of life was was very attractive to me you know as an 18 year old um and i know that lots of people end up um reacting in different ways to major trauma uh, but this was my way you know like just to bury my head my head in in studies and and uh, and kind of escaping so there was that going on as well uh, that brought me to astronomy mm. what is mindful stargazing so i uh, i did uh well i did my degree in astrophysics and i was very you know interested to to take it on i ended up doing a phd and the research was something which i kind of really clicked with me and so um then i ended up doing about 7 years of postdoc research 
Um, I was studying in, in London at UCL, and then I ended up getting a job out in Germany at the European Southern Observatory. And um, uh, it became apparent, you know, I was, I'd started to get interested in yoga. And I've been practicing yoga for, you know, some time. And uh, I started to get interested in the meditation and mindfulness side of things. And uh, I was I was starting to look at my life and where I got to, you know, in this this sort of detachment or this separation from, you know, and although it was, I did all right in my studies, it definitely had some fairly negative effects on my relationships, my ability to make and hold relationships and what was going with my family and things. So, um, you know, I ended up doing about three and a half years of psychotherapy and really looking at, you know, all the history and the patterns and, you know, my reactions and all that stuff. Uh, And I realized that, my scientific education had been very one-sided, you know, and I think I think that's probably the case for, for, for most people who end up doing a science education. Like science holds up reason and logic. And that, as I say, that linear way of thinking as like almost like put it on a pedestal. Like that's the the golden, you know, way of thinking. And um, and the other side, the other way of thinking, which is much more like intuitive, emotionally uh, uh, based, you know, um, um, more holistic, maybe more integrated, more embodied is like, um, I don't know, it's either ignored or at best, maybe or completely squashed, you know, worst. And, and that's not to say it doesn't exist. It pops up every now and again. In, uh, in those kind of leaps you find in science, you know, where s- sudden discovery comes like from a, a scientist's hunch or a feeling that this was the way to, to the thing to, to look at. It does pop up. But really, like that day to day science was very linear, very, you know, you had to show your workings and, you know, step after step. So I realized I, I, I come to see that the way I was was very out of balance. And that was part of why I was struggling, you know, relate with relationships and people and family and things. So I actually decided to take a fairly radical step. Um, I'd done about seven years of postdoc and uh, I, yeah, I decided to just basically kind of shift out of astronomy research wise. And um, I was living in Germany. So I moved back to London and uh, um, yeah, so I kind of, I knew that once I'd left research, it was going to be very difficult to get back in, pretty much impossible to get back in. That was like a one-way street, really. I moved back to London and I, I've been teaching yoga a little bit in my spare time. So I thought, well, let's give that a go. That's more people-based. That's more uh, embodied, you know, more in it, uh, uh, that other way, the intuitive way of thinking emotionally. So, uh, yeah, I moved back to London and um, I then spent maybe five or six years just really teaching yoga teaching meditation and I, I decided also to put the relationship with my current girlfriend at the time like first so that's my, my wife now and uh, that that was felt very important to me to put that front and center and like astronomy um faded into <laughs> a little bit away you know like that that um all the stuff I've been doing the research and things just like fell onto the, the back burner kind of thing and um, people have been asking, Mark, you know, how maybe you need to try and bring these two worlds together. 
the astronomy science and then the mindfulness and the spirituality side and it took me a lot I just couldn't work out how to how to find the, an overlap um and then I I've been writing a little bit like a little blog uh just experimenting with some ideas and you know connecting energy and yoga and um cause you know universe and things and then I got an email out of the blue one day um, from a publisher they publish a series of books around mindfulness and thoughts about mindfulness and they wanted to do something around the stars and stargazing and they read my blog and uh would I be willing to write that book you know I thought wow I mean you know it's one of those situations where you have to check is this spam this looks like spam you know uh, so I had to google the publisher and, and check it's okay turned out to be kosher fine um you know it's one of those again another one of those situations where you write a blog and you know you get one reader and, you know, uh, no one really seems to be reading it. You're just like, it's disappearing into that black hole of the Internet, you know, after years. And then suddenly, out of the blue, you know, I get this email from a publisher. Uh, wow. OK, so would I be willing to write this book? And when when I start to think about it in terms of the title of this book, they were Mindful Thoughts for Stargazers, 25 little contemplations around bringing together like mindfulness and awareness, perception looking at our place in the universe and then the science and the astronomy, stargazing constellations and things, then that, that got a whole load of ideas like uh, bubbling around. And I sat and I just sort of drafted out the book and <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, uh, this, this first little book, uh, I don't know, um, mindful thoughts for stargazers came out in 2019 uh, and that that was like the start, really. Yeah. So you ask, what what is mindful stargazing? So uh, mindfulness is the skill of bringing our attention and awareness to what's going on in the present moment. Now we all do this to a more you know greater or lesser degree. Um, you know when you when you get on the train, they sometimes say like mind the gap. And, you know, mind the gap. What does that mean? That means beware, basically. Bring your attention to this moment because of the danger. So, um, you know, we all do it. Um, but the thing about mindfulness as a practice is that we're also doing our best not to judge what we find to be good or bad, you know, to be something we want or we don't want. So that's something which is much harder that not necessarily do we do very much, you know, okay, so I'm aware that this is happening, but I don't like it, or I really like it, and I want more of it, you know, that kind of thing. So this mindfulness, being aware of what's going on, and then being okay as much as we can with how it is not wanting it to be different. So we can apply that in lots of different ways, you know, mindfulness, very traditional, being aware of what's going on in the body, like our mindfulness of the breath, or um, uh, being mindful of walking slowly, you know, in a, uh, in the, along the road or whatever. Um, but, but mindful stargazing is when we bring that attention and that awareness to what's going on uh, in the nighttime, with our nighttime experience. Mm. So, um, like, for example, we could step out um, in an even, of an evening, you know, and just, like, look up. Now, our job is to be aware of what we see, how we feel, what's going on, and doing our best not to want it to be different. I think this is, like most 
amateur astronomers or stargazers desperate for clear nights, right? Of course. And how many times do we step outside and there's this maybe high cirrus cloud or, you know, something that is, or, or it has changed since we checked the forecast, you know, and then it's changed and we get frustrated and annoyed, you know. So it's doing our best to try to be okay with things as they are. And yeah, wow, we might have a beautiful clear night and, or, or we might be cloudy or, you know, all sorts of things might be in, you know. Mm. Yeah. So that's, that's mindful stargazing. Thanks for sharing your journey with us, Mark. How to stargaze mindfully? Mm. So how, how do we, how do we actually do it? Mm. Yeah. Um, so, uh, well, there's a couple of different ways in, I suppose. Uh, when, let's say we're, we're inside and we, you know, we're in our brightly lit room or car or whatever, uh, and, and then we go outside. Now, uh, we all know that it takes time for our eyes to adapt. Probably like 10 or 15 minutes if we've been from somewhere bright to somewhere dark. Yeah, so now those 10 or 15 minutes is a wonderful opportunity as your eyes are adapting to check in, little check in, you know, with yourself. So maybe even closing your eyes or, or just kind of bringing your attention inwards. Uh, how are you feeling? What's going on in your body? How's your day been? Any particular sensations? Um, maybe like tension sometimes in the face or shoulders? You know, how's the breath feel? So that, that's just immediately bringing our attention to ourselves, our body. Yeah, so not to, not to waste that time or not to wish that time, you know, or to, to really kind of make use of that time as our eyes are adapting. And maybe like on another night, you might be setting up your telescope or something like that uh, during those times when your eyes are adapting. But also as you're doing that, you know, bringing your attention to the feeling of the opening up the case or lifting up the tripod, just being there 100% with the experience rather than planning ahead or getting caught up into th thoughts of what might happen next. Hmm. That would be one way in. Another way in, which is quite nice, I quite like this one, is to um, observe the twilight time. So we go out like earlier, you know, <coughs> quite nice with a deck chair, you know, just sit there and, um, and just, it's almost like immersing yourself in the experience of the gently coming darkness, you know? So we sit there and we look up and, you know, there's a few clouds drifting by or changing light, sunset colors, and uh, taking the time to really enjoy or pause and enjoy that, that moment or, or, or that long moment maybe of, of the sunset. Mm. Now we get to the time it's dark. Uh, let's, let's take an example where it's clear. Let's say, let's say in that beautiful night sky. So um, some people feel, well, a lot of people, right? You speak to them about amateur astronomy or, or stargazing and the immediate thought is, oh, I've got to get a telescope or I've got to get a map. You know, I've got to get the right app on my phone. Um, you know, I've got to work out what constellation I'm looking at. So that's all great. You know, it's really, really you know, great to find out about constellations and get your telescope going. But, but it doesn't necessarily need any of that to do stargazing. So let's put aside for a moment all of the knowledge about the night sky, what constellation it is, what star it is. 
And let's look up at the sky as if we've never seen it before. So we're just, you know, in our deck chair or whatever it is, you know, sun lounger, we're lying there. And it's like, wow, this is beautiful. This is amazing. You know, these stars, they're twinkling. They're, you know, the light's coming in through the atmosphere and, you know, the wind is blowing from the side or whatever it is. And we're just right there with this beautiful night sky. We don't need to know anything about it to appreciate it. So that would be a, a kind of mindful moment of stargazing without any of the, uh, just, it, sometimes it can be quite distracting, you know, having maps and, and technology and things. Mm. How can the dark night sky connect us all more deeply to our inner selves? Okay, so how do we immerse ourselves in the experience? Sometimes it feels when we're looking up at the night sky, looking up at the stars, that, that there's a sense of me looking at the stars. Like there's a separation. There's a me here on the ground and the stars that I'm looking at. So in order to move towards connecting to our inner selves, you know, so our inner self and the stars are not actually separate. Okay, now what do I mean by this? You know, the way we use language, the way that language is set up, and to some extent the way that thoughts are set up, is that there's a subject-object. Like there's me and I'm looking at the stars. There's a me and the star, right? And that's just the way that the grammar is works in our language. And, and as far as I'm aware, pretty much every language in the world works like that. So it's easy to fall into this perspective, I suppose, that there's a separate me and everything else that everything out there is like different to me. But actually, it's just a perspective and it's just a, um, a way of perceiving. So uh, I, mean, I sometimes use the analogy, like let's say um, you're in an aeroplane and you're looking down at a mountain range, but there's mist or fog maybe hanging around the mountain range. So all you see are the peaks that stick up above the clouds. So you look at them and you say, okay, that's a peak, there's a peak, there's a peak, and you think they're separate. But then, you know, you're carrying on on the aeroplane, maybe it circles around and later on the mist has disappeared. And then you're able to see, okay, this peak actually goes down and there's a valley and it goes up to the next peak. Yeah. So it's a different perspective, same, same thing, different view. So the, the other perspective on our world is that me and the stars in this case are not actually separate, that there is this con continuity between me and the ground and the planet and then the atmosphere and the space and then the sun and all the rest of it, you know, we're all, we're all just this one universe. So our, our conceptual mind, our thinking mind sets up this perspective of separation. But if we can step out of the thoughts and step into the being mode, right? So what do I mean by that being mode So let's say we're outside and we're looking up at the stars. Now, 
I'm thinking about, oh, that's that star, that's that star, this is the constellation. Which constellation is it on my app? You know, blah, blah, blah. And this is my conceptual mind. This is my thinking mind, trying to work it out and trying to sort of have the facts. Now I put down my app and I step away from my telescope and I'm just looking. Now there's just this sense of looking and feeling. Okay. Now those concepts and ideas sort of dissolve, if you like. And if we're there long enough, if we stay with it, then there's a sense of just being with the stars, with the night sky. And at that point, that separation can change, you know, into a into a much more well, it's a feeling of being part of the universe. I am part of the universe. In fact, there is no real separation. Yeah. So let's let's we can we can do this. Well, we can do this without the night sky, just right now. So would that be all right? Can I just give it a go? Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. yeah. Mm, okay. So let's just take a moment and um and maybe I invite you to just maybe close your eyes for a second. Yeah, I'm just going to bring our attention inside the body. So just noticing how you're feeling, how you're breathing, how you're sitting. Just a little moment. Okay, now I'd like you to bring your attention to your teeth. So a bit weird. Now, we don't really do this very often. So just maybe run your tongue around in your mouth. Just notice your teeth. Okay, now the teeth are coated in enamel. It's the hardest substance in the body, in fact. And this enamel is made of a calcium phosphate. So that's made of calcium, phosphor, and oxygen are the three chemical elements that make up calcium phosphate. Okay, now the phosphor and the oxygen were chemical elements that can only have been made inside a supernova. So the idea being that when the universe began, started off pretty much 90% hydrogen, 99% hydrogen. And then as the stars first formed during, yeah, inside the star, hydrogen was converted into helium, lithium, beryllium. And that's as far as it could go until the star exploded. We need a lot of energy. And in that energetic explosion, the supernova, the elements beyond lithium, beryllium were able to form carbon, nitrogen, oxygen, phosphor, oxygen inside our teeth. They were formed inside a supernova. So a particular kind of supernova, mostly in what they call type 1A supernovae. Okay, so if you just run your tongue around your teeth again, really connecting, sensing, feeling, this enamel on the surface of your teeth. Now the calcium that's in that calcium phosphate could only have been produced inside a different kind of supernova, type two supernovae. So literally the coating of your teeth connects us to maybe even tens or hundreds of supernovae that have gone off in the past, millions of years ago, that created the elements which make up your teeth. 
Yeah, so maybe just letting the eyes gently open. Nice. Okay, so that's a way in which we can feel. So it's very similar for lots of, you know, all of the rest of the body, right? We can, bits of the skin, our blood, you know, every, everything, right? was made of chemical elements that were once formed either in the Big Bang or inside stars. We are literally made of chemical elements that were once inside stars. And that, to me, I mean, I know this, I, I've known it for years. We studied it at university, we did exams on it and things, but every time I do that, I know that me, me right here, I am made of this stuff. It blows my mind, you know? We are nothing but stardust. That's exactly, as, as Carl Sagan said, yeah. Could you please share with us snippets of scientific knowledge modern astronomy has found in your favorite constellations in the night sky? Gosh, I mean, favorite constellations. Well, I don't, I'm not sure I have a favorite constellation. I mean, there are some, uh, some ones that you see very regularly and um, kind of like very familiar. Uh, like in, in Ursa Major, the Great Bear, the Plough, well, there's a galaxy called M82, um, which is 82 of the Messier catalogue. And I studied that for my PhD. I did a lot of work on that one. Uh, so there's a there's two galaxies, M82 and M81. M81 is a big giant galaxy, a little bit like the Milky Way. M82, that's a small, fairly irregular kind of galaxy. And they're in the process of coming together, a little bit like the Magellanic Clouds, uh, except perhaps a bit further back in time. Um, M82 is a little bit bigger, maybe, uh, and they're in the process of colliding. And it's caused a lot of um, material inside M82 to, well, it's funneling it into the centre. It's very churned up, and you get a lot of new stars forming inside the galaxy. It's called a starburst. So you get lots and lots of new stars forming. And um, <coughs> so M82 has a reasonable disk, like it's a kind of flattened, you know, like galaxies, a bit like a fried egg, right? So they've got a bulge in the middle and, a, and a, an outside. And uh, so lots of stars forming in the centre, big star clusters, and they produce a lot of material, which um, uh, what they call a wind, like like we get our solar wind, but like on a much bigger scale. So all these stars, are, all this material is flowing away from the stars and it adds up and adds up and adds up as, until we get actually what's known as a galactic wind. So the whole galaxy has this, um, this material which is flowing off it. Um, in, the, in the polar directions. So we have the disk and then it's flowing off north and south, you know. And um, so we, we did some uh, imaging, you know, telescope imaging of this galaxy. And there's some, you can get, you can look up some spectacular images on Google and things. Uh, so that, that's one of my favourites. The other one, I was just looking, I've got this, um, uh, one of the other books that I published, uh, it's just called Stars. Um, so like a practical guide to the constellations and there's a number of maps in there with some little um, pinholes. You can hold up the light and you see the pattern of the constellations. And so we've got a few like facts in there as well. So I thought maybe I could read a little bit from one of those. Uh, one of the constellations in the Northern Hemisphere, at least, which is up high in the sky right now, which is Boötes. And so, um, you know, that's the ice cream cone um, constellation, right? Uh, now, the Boötes is home to what's known as the Boötes Void. Um, now, on the large scale, so you've got our, uh, well, our solar system, our sun is one of, whatever it is, 
one with 11 zeros after it. That number of stars in our galaxy, our galaxy in the Milky Way. Outside of the Milky Way, we have our neighbouring galaxies, Magellanic Clouds, Andromeda, and a number of others. And then outside of our neighbourhood, we have a number of other galaxies. And then we get up to the point where we have our local, what's known as, quote, quote, our local supercluster. And then um, out, outside of that, we have a number of other superclusters of galaxies, uh, like the Virgo supercluster, and, you know. And so once you get further and further out into that, then the universe starts to look a little bit like foam. So we have galaxies arranged in filaments and then spaces between galaxies. And these are known as voids. And they can get very, very big, like the foam bubbles, I suppose, get very big. Yeah, so this is kind of um, one of the voids, Boötes void. Vast spaces between the galaxies on the larger scale. So the, the Boötes void, which was discovered in 1981 as part of a survey of galaxy distances, is approximately 700 million light years away and about 330 million light years in diameter. So I don't know if you, I think like me, those kind of numbers just like, what? You know, I can't, I can't make sense of that larger number, but it's very big. Hmm. One of the largest known voids in the universe. So if you were to get in a spaceship and go to the middle of this void, you would see no stars with your naked eye. I think that's it's kind of weird. Like if you literally, if you're on a planet, <laughs> In the middle of this void, it will be black completely. Yeah. So luckily we're not there. <laughs> yeah. Some fascinating stuff to think about. I, I think sometimes, you know, we, we can have a real magical experience of looking up at the night sky and wondering, you know, people talk about this sense of awe, awe being very good for our well-being because we're, we're, we're having that real connection with nature, I suppose, with, with the universe. But sometimes a little bit of science, you know, some some knowledge in there can increase that awe even more. And we're like, wow, you know, even more. And that's that's fantastic. Yeah. How can our listeners find you online? So I have a website, uh, markwestonmaquette.co.uk. And I've got a few stargazing, you know, hints and tips and some meditations you can download in fact a variety of meditations and practices you can download and i'm also on instagram west maquette so that's w-e-s-t-m-o-q-u-e-t-t-e and then on instagram i've been trying to run like reasonably frequent regular live mindful stargazing events so you can kind of join in whether it's cloudy or clear i don't mind you know whatever it is we just join in come together and we're going to be experiencing the night sky and I'll guide you through some practices. So you're welcome to join in, um, you know, if you can. Thank you, Mark, for this delightful conversation on mindful stargazing. Friends, I hope this discussion has motivated you to explore mindful stargazing. You can find useful links and resources in the show notes. Please share this podcast episode with one friend who's interested in observing the night sky.